0: Okay, well, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, the end of chapter 2. You won't believe it. You just won't believe it. I'm going to finish chapter 3 today. <laughs> no, actually, this is a passage that uh, really shows uh, areas of concern ...for the church in Thessalonica. And it, it just flows from the end of chapter 2... Th- ...straight through chapter 3 here. And um, we will do our best to get through... Uh, ...in a good, sound manner. It's especially evident in raising children. We parents have certain concerns... ...for how our children are to grow up. And uh, sometimes... Parents, we get into emphasizing actually the peripheral rather than the priorities, right? Yeah, you're there. And, uh, and now, being a, a grandfather, um, you know, you kind of look back and, and, and see things with a bit different light than when I was holding little Sam in my arms, you just it's just that way and that's i think called uh i i hope it's called growing in wisdom <laughs> you know where you 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 learn you know here's your your first child you and then you know now you're looking at uh more grandchildren i said more yes and um it, it is it, it's exciting it's wonderful but the concern that I want to connect here is this that we do this as parents. We get, um, we get concerned about, you know, things that are actually a bit peripheral rather than priority with our children or our grandchildren. And, uh, it's similar in the church. The head of the body, Jesus Christ, has given us priorities. We've talked about that here in the last few weeks. The Great Commission, obviously, is the issue. That's the issue. The priority is go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, instructing them, right? Once we see that happening, you know what happens to people? They start getting more stable in their life and more productive in their life for the kingdom. And so thus the highlighting of discipling is really important. And so that, then we expand that, and we call this, you know, we say, "Here's ministry, ministry in Fallon." Uh, that's what we want to just focus in on right now. We've talked about ministry at in church. It's um, it's not about programs, right? We said it's not about programs. The ministry of the Lord in in the church ought to be about His Word and the Spirit of God working in people's lives. There's ministry. So that's what we want to come back to, and that's really what the passage in First Thessalonians is getting at. We see four vital concerns for an active ministry in this passage, starting in First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 17. Follow along, I'm going to read, "But we brethren, having been taken away from you, for a short while, in person, not in spirit, we're all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Join me in prayer here, Lord um, we look at your word and uh, all sorts of responses come up. But first and foremost, Lord, please, uh, we, we need to humble ourselves before you. And we need to hear from you today. So we pray that you would do your great work. Uh, move in your people. Move by your spirit in your people to bring about more and more Christ-likeness help us lord to understand this as we go we thank you for each person here uh, and we ask for your blessing in jesus name amen all right so four vital concerns of active ministry and number 1 we see it here in this in these first 3 Verses in this passage, starting in verse 17 through 20. It's the bonds of love. You can follow along from the outline that's uh, provided for you in your bulletin. It's the bonds of love. And another way to look at it is the it's about fellowship. Real, genuine, Christ-like fellowship, which is love. Love and, and bonding together. And the first... Part of this we see is the concern for this life, concern for people in this life, right? Um, And so we see what Paul writes. He says, "But we, brethren, having been taken from you for a short while—remember, Paul kind of got kicked out. You know, get out of get out of town, Paul. So they left in in kind of a, a rush." And Paul is saying, you know, we've, we've been taken away from you for a short while. Notice he, he adds in, in person, not in spirit. What does that tell you? In spirit, he, he's still thinking of them, connected to them, wondering how they doing. There's a concern about how they're doing, not so much about the weather and the conditions of life, but how these fellow believers are faring, how they're doing. And so, it's a desire, it's a longing to see them. And I believe there's fellowship driven, this is driven by the the concern for fellowship that we have as God's children. For knowing how they are really doing is about what we're going to see today in this passage. How are you doing in your faith? How are you doing in your love with Christ? How are things really going and and growing, right? Right? So it's with great desire, great longing. It's an eagerness that he has. That he's saying, "I want to, I want to get with these people again." We endeavored the more eagerly, and what that is getting at is more exceedingly, more in a greater degree is what he's is what we're hearing from Paul. You you would think that Paul gets kind of worn out from traveling. You know, okay, those guys are on their own. Go get them, guys. I'm going off to Rome now or whatever. But no, you know, he's here's a church that's been set up in a miraculous way and people's lives are changed because of the gospel being preached and the gospel being activated then through faith in Christ, right? And so he's got a, a desire to see them. Again and again, he's, he's thinking this. Verse 18, see that? We wanted to come to you again and again, or more. We wanted to come more than once. And yet, he's saying this despite the hindrances. Notice that in verse 18. And yet Satan hindered us. Satan is credited with hindering uh, things like this. And we know that. We, we understand that, that. There can be hindrances uh, or, or being thwarted from what God would have us to do. What's behind that? Have you ever sensed that in your life or at home with your family? Where it's like, it's just like we didn't get there. Something hindered us. And Paul in saying, I want to get to these believers, he's saying, hey, Satan hindered us. He impeded uh, our course by cutting off the way is what the word means there. But it's not just concern for these people and this present life. Notice what follows. Letter B in your outline. There's a concern for eternity. He says in verse 19 and 20. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Here's, Folks, this is motivation. Motivation for it. Why? Because people's lives count for eternity. Your life whatever age you are, whatever condition you're in, your life counts for eternity. And Paul is connecting it saying, look, you are our joy. You are our hope. You're our our joy, our crown. No, now this is not bypassing Jesus. We'd say, well, that's not being very spiritual, right? I mean, Jesus is our joy. Jesus is, is everything to us. We just sang about it. But no, he's, he's showing this responsible uh, connection here with, with the church. And that's why I would say here, it's important that we, we see that connection. It's about a church. This group in Thessalonica, they were a, a church. And Paul's showing his concern. I'm going to just take a little rabbit trail here and say this we hear of it in our day today oh i'm a christian well what church do you go to ah uh, it's it's not that, that i don't go to church what so you know it, it's important that we help our loved ones our our family and every understand the the importance of church and the importance isn't to show up and get your check you know, on your list of it, your attendance list, that's not the point. The point is to be a part of the body and a part of ministry in the body. And we've mentioned that Dan uh, alluded to it at prayer time. I can testify of it from the experience we've gone through in the past couple of years, and many of you can also testify to the power of God working through people in His local church. There's a there's a commitment there. Why? Because we are good Christian people. No, there's a commitment because of who Jesus is. That's why. It's driven by Jesus. It's driven by His love and His grace. Obviously, it's instructed to us in the Word. Let us not consider our. um, Oh, I messed up on that one. Hebrews chapter ten. In other words, don't forsake the assembly of ourselves as is the manner of some. He's talking about the church. Your involvement in the church is, it's, it's just because here you are. You're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of the body. Okay? Leadership wise, we need to do our best to help plug people into, to involvement. And so here, yes, over these past weeks and here in the future, we're we want to speak of it again and again, and encourage people respond to God's gifting in your life. Respond to what God has um, given you a delight to do and a strength to do. Being involved in in helping other people. So, anyway, this is a um, this part in verse nineteen and twenty is about. The concern for people's eternal life. And so he says, you are our hope. You are our crown. You're, you're our joy. And basically, um, we think of Paul like, you know what? He, he's like top dog with leading people to Christ. You know? you know what I mean? He's like, wow, he's really done a great job. And Paul... Himself is implying here and saying, you know what? I'm gonna lay these as like crowns. These people that I've, I've pointed to and led to Christ, I'm gonna lay them at Jesus' feet. Because He's the one. He's the one we, we come in. Whatever is accomplished on, in our lives, whatever, it's all back to Him! Because of, of the pervading, all-pervasive grace, if you will that God has bestowed on us in Christ. So, he's emphasizing this he, in verse, middle of verse 19. Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? See, that's one of the drives about church, that people would come to know the Savior and love Him and live for Him. Because in the end, there it is. This is our, our crown of exaltation. It's Is it not even you? In the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming. For you are our glory and joy. Is that how we respond when we come to church? When we are involved with other Christians and something? Is that what we're thinking? A lot of times... Um, based on what we're like and what, what we're about we tend to get into our own little uh, agendas and we don't really think of it as you know what I, I'm with people here who are who are His they're, they're owned by Christ Christ bought them with His own blood and I want to build them up I want to encourage them and I want to encourage them so much for eternity to, to live for Christ's in that in that light. And so we understand this is here's here's what love is about. You know, it's the bonds of love. There's fellowship that we have when we are concerned for one another and and it's about uh, Christ and his his way for us in, in the local church. But also it's about eternity. Concern for eternity. There's another concern that we see as we move into chapter three. Chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. For indeed when we were with you we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction and so it came to pass as you know for this reason when i could endure it no longer i also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain and so we come upon what's what's another concern for ministry what's a concern if you will that the lord has for his people And it's kind of a twist on things. But it's tests of faith. Number two, tests of faith. That's not one I would put on the list. (laughs) I don't want to highlight that. I'd like to escape that. But here's the next issue that Paul's dealing with in chapter 3. He's saying, you know what? I'm concerned about you folks regarding afflictions that you're dealing with. Afflictions. And so, letter A, under the tests of faith, is appointments with afflictions. How do we handle the tests? Do we aim to do it Lone Ranger style? I can handle this, and I'll be strong enough, and I'll just grit my teeth and grin and bear it. Well, Paul's not showing that emphasis, is he? He's not showing that. Oh, just Lone Ranger, dude, go for it. No. No. Timothy was sent to what? Assist, to observe, to consult, encourage them, strengthen them, serve them. And here's a picture of the church. Here's, here's what Paul says. Let, let's send Timothy. He's a faithful servant of Christ. Let's send him. He knows what to watch for. He knows he, he, he'll grow in this and he'll, he'll be an, uh, an encouragement in this. Think about it. Let's send Timothy. Timothy can come alongside of them, right? Come alongside of these believers. Um, Help them about bearing burdens in the right way. And basically like in a way to be hands and feet of Jesus, right? That's what the body is about. To be hands and feet of Jesus. So, this... Uh, Verse 3 and 4 here suggest that these afflictions are really no surprise. They ought to be no surprise to this church. You yourselves know, there's an emphasis there. You yourselves know that we have been destined for this. We've been appointed for these afflictions. Aren't you glad? Yeah? (laughs) No, it's not that easy, right? It's not that easy. But with Timothy's presence, Timothy's encouragement, the church could say, hey, we're not shaken by these things. That's the idea behind the various forms of encouragement. Do you know what encouragement looks like? And do you know what encouragement feels like? Someone comes up and looks in your eye and asks you, so how can I encourage you today? What can I do to help you? I heard that you're going through this. How can I be of help? I, I want to... Um, can I take you out to dinner? Can I come along? Can we go off in the library and, and pray together? There's ways that we know certainly are encouraging ways. And that's what the church ought to be about. There are people in this room right now that if you look around, you'll see and you'll notice. You know what? They're down. I'm not going to corner them right now, but I'm going to send them a card, or I'm going to talk to them on the way out to the parking lot. I'm going to, I'm going to respond because I sense, I'm, I'm sensing that they're down. I hate the thought that someone can come in here week after week into a church service and walk out with no one checking up on them. I know that can happen, and it's not, you know any one person's, you know, it's like everyone has to participate in, in being alert to that and being an encouragement because we all are appointed to afflictions. We're appointed to it. So, there's a definite sense of inevitability regarding afflictions and hardships. And the New Testament is clear on this, that the, the church... Slash the Christian or Christians will face adversity, afflictions, trials, testings. Here's some references. Mark these down. Matthew 10, 17 through 42. Matthew 10, 17 through 42. Acts chapter 9, verse 16. Acts chapter 14, verse 22. And then Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 17 through 18 and verses 35 through 39. It's very clear there in Romans chapter 8 about what God does through the challenge, through the hardship, through the difficulty. God's at work. We don't read it right then and there, maybe, but God is at work. And what he does is he refines you and I as gold. He takes out the dross, so to speak, right? We're, I think, aware of that concept there. But not only appointments with afflictions, but letter B, altercations with temptations. We see that concern coming up um, and that being another aspect of the testing of your faith is through, here's the temptations that might come up. Look at verse 5. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Now, let's consider this. This congregation was a brand spanking new congregation. It's not like they were around for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years. They were a brand new congregation at Thessalonica what's going to be the temptation for them? Because of the, the degree of difficulty that was offered up against them by the townspeople, what's going to be the temptation? Let's pack it up and go home. Uh, look, we don't need to keep pushing this. Let, let, you know, don't, don't, don't make a big deal about this. Subtle stuff. Because listen... Temptations are typically going to be subtle in your life. It's not going to be the big billboard flashing light. Temptation is coming. It's going to be typically subtle. Maybe even simple. And temptations, when nothing's wrong with the temptation. But when you fall and when I fall, that's when we have the problems. So, the tempter tempts in that way. And especially if things are smooth sailing in your life. Things, oh, things are pretty smooth. I like it. Well, watch out for subtle temptations to start tripping you up. Okay? So, remember the Bible tells us very clearly, the flesh is weak. And that's an ongoing issue. The flesh is weak. That's ongoing for you and I. It's not like next week we can say, oh, the flesh is no longer weak. No, the flesh is always weak. Always. Get that in your thinking. Pass that on to your children. (laughs) It's always weak. And only when we stand in His grace are we strong. That's because of Him. That's because of His grace. Okay? Okay so both afflictions and temptations are used by God to strengthen us to, and it's there to test our faith count it all joy when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance James chapter 1 okay so God uses God uses these things to help strengthen us but many times we are not strengthened but rather left defeated and Discouraged. And it's because I look at the situation, I look at the circumstances rather than at a strong and mighty God. I don't care what the situation is, my friend. I don't care what it is you're facing. Whether it's little tiny things or big monstrous, I can't make it through this, no way, no how. Whatever it is, the more you look at God in it as mighty, as sovereign, as in control, then there's hope. Why? Because Jesus rose from the grave. Amen? It's all there. That's what Christianity is based on. Paul, in his argument in 1 Corinthians 15, says, hey, you proved the resurrection wrong, it all falls down. Then our faith is in vain. What are we here for? Kind of thinking, right? Right? So everything has got to be based on that rock-solid truth. Jesus rose up from the grave. And you and I can have hope because of that, whatever you face, whatever you face. We just need to remember, my mind, I've told you, some of you, this lots of times. My mind, your mind can go every which way when something happens. My mind goes here, my mind goes there, and I have a great argument as to why I ought to worry. And I, I say that jokingly, but I do that, and you do it too. And until we get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and stayed on Him and keep moving towards Him, I will, I, things aren't going to be perfect there, but I will know His blessing. So how do you handle? I don't want to make it sound like it's easy. It's not. But how do you handle the afflictions? And how do you handle the temptations? Friday morning at our men's Bible study, we've we been talking about facing temptations. And we know men that are there, we know what the Bible says. We got to be like Joseph and don't even, don't even look. Just get out and run. Go away from temptations. That's what Joseph showed. And so we need to remember what the Bible tells us. You know, Proverbs chapter four verse twenty three says, "Keep your heart with all vigilance." That's a great phrase there. A way to say it: "Keep your heart with all vigilance." And you can say, "Well, I, I'm, I've been through." you know, seminary. I've been through Bible classes. I've been through this and that. You know what? still applies to you. You can have been in church since you were an infant. <laughs> but you still need to guard your heart, keep your heart with all vigilance. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Mark it down. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation. No temptation has overtaken you. But such as is common to man. And God is what? God is faithful. who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide. Will provide. Will you say that? Will provide. He will provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. There's a lot of... Of teaching in the Bible about enduring situations and afflictions. The temptations, you don't have to endure, you run. You flee to God. Flee the temptations, right? Okay, number three. Another vital concern for active ministry is take into account here, what have we said? In verse, uh, the first point was the bonds of what? The bonds of love. Secondly, the tests of faith. And now, number three, we put them together and say the practice of both. The practice of both. That's what he gets to in chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. Follow along. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, he's brought us good news of your, there it is, faith and love. And that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in our distress and affliction we were comforted about you through your faith for now we really live if you stand firm in the lord so letter a is there's a good report brought there's a good report timothy brought back a good report on how they're doing on their love and faith practice that's a balanced approach you know some of you guys you're you're watching the football playoffs And a team that's going to make it in the playoffs, they got to have a what? A balanced approach, we say. Balance, offense, defense, right? Or not. Maybe you're not watching the playoffs. Oh, well. Well, in life in general, it's sure nice to have some balance when you're walking around. You're up and at it. You wake up in the morning and you're figuring that my balance, you know, I'm, I'm... equilibrium all that balance 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 and here's here's the the scriptural uh, kind of key here here's some balance faith and love faith and love i remember you know emphasis about oh we're to love one another and love god and all you you know it's like all you hear of is love but here's faith along with it faith and love faith in what in jesus faith in his word okay so there's an important balanced approach here, not a lopsided one. The body of Christ is intended to show and practice both faith and love. It's God's design. Now think with me here. A couple of the letters in the New Testament were written for the reason that, for instance, in Corinth, First Corinthians. You know what? They were lacking love. They lacked love. They had divisions among them. And so Paul writes to them saying, come on. No, it's about Christ. It's not about Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, or No, 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 no. It's about Christ. And you love him. Okay? So, same thing with the the letter of the Galatians. Here's a, a letter that goes off to an area of churches. Not just a, a city, but an area of churches. The central, um, if you look on some of your Bible maps, you'll see the area of Galatia. It's right there in central Asia Minor, or Central Turkey. And the letter was sent to them. Why? Their faith got off balance. Their faith started going towards, based on their circumcision, based on keeping the law. And so, the letter of Galatians was, hey, get your faith set straight on the fact that it's about Christ and His grace, not about your good works. Okay? So, Important to understand that. Having the balance of, here's love and faith together. Working together like the one-two punch. I uh, I, I refer to it like that a lot. Now, let, let's consider this. The passage here is telling us that Timothy went to Thessalonica, brought a report back to Paul. What if Timothy showed up here? What if Timothy kind of... You know, watch things on a sunny morning and, and kind of floated around with uh, the, the elders and the deacons and, and Sunday school and Bible studies. And what kind of report would Timothy write? We all have hopes that it would be like, OK, yeah, it's at least a B plus. We don't know. You know what we do know? What we do know is to let's keep walking in this direction. Let's keep going in this way to demonstrate a living faith and an active love for one another. Okay? Remember the key is this. Love and faith together is really his blueprint, isn't it? Love and faith working together. Well, it shows the good report ought to be, because there is a letter B, a good result this good result is simply stated it's faith in action love and faith in action and the response is one that in verse 6 i'm sorry verse 7 is where where he says it that they've been comfort we were comforted about you through your faith okay so it's a good result there's action taking place because of what they've learned because of the gospel and they stand firm. He says, verse 8, Now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. I would say since you stand firm in the Lord. They've demonstrated it. They've demonstrated that they're standing firm in the Lord. Well, that's, again, the work of God. That's His work. Philippians six. Being confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you, believer... We'll complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. That's about, again, here's God's grace in action to bring about Christ-likeness in your responses to life, in your thought life, in your conduct. All right, on to point number four. Point number four is really the the wrap-up of it. We see it in uh, chapter 3, verse 9. Would you follow along with me as I read this? For what thanks can we render to God for you in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account? As we night and day keep praying most earnestly that we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another And for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Ministry must concern itself with the path of maturity. Ministry must concern itself with growth, Christ-like growth. You could put that in there, Christ-like growth. Now, this involves a number of things here, as you see in your outline. There's like five things here that shows, here's a progress, a pathway to maturity. So these things ought to be, if we're going to get a, quote, a good report, these things ought to be true of us now notice how he, paul comes to uh, uh express his here's here's the outcome of it look at verse 9 what does verse 9 say what thanks can we render to you for in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before our God on your account here's a, a double emphasis on on joy so Letter A is the entrance of joy despite the afflictions, despite temptations. It's because the life of Christ is active and at work in you. There's joy. The presence of joy in your life. Stop and think about that. All of us get challenged in that way. A lot of times we can be, you know, uh, grouchy whatever the guy's name is on Sesame Street. (laughs) You know, we can be grouchy. We can be complaining. We can be murmuring. All those kind of things pop up in our lives. What is it that will bring about joy? What were they excited? Why did he say he had joy? Because of their faith. Their faith. They're, They're being built up in the faith. Paul had joy about that. And all too often we fall into the rut. We fall into the rut of the status quo. And we, we allow that stuff of life, the situations, the circumstances of life to pile on our lives and thus we have no joy. Joy has been robbed from you because of circumstances. This is a pattern, my friend. This is a pattern for the Christian, not just an option. This is a pattern for our life, that there'd be joy. And this is because it's the pattern of the believers in the early church. And it's the pattern of Jesus. Okay? Track it yourself, would you please? Encourage your heart and your spouse and your children in this and your grandchildren about what it means to live in joy, to have joy. Letter B, the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer. And in this case, you studied this prayer right here. He's giving us a prayer right here. Are we going to track along with how he's praying? Or are we just going to keep going our, our general blanket prayer? Oh, Lord, please bless the missionaries. Oh, Lord, please make it nice for my children. Oh, Lord, please, you know. No, Paul gets specific here, doesn't he? He gets specific. That's what we need to do. We want to have prayers that are rich with thanksgiving for God's work, for God's gifts, for God Himself. We want to have prayers that are continuous. He says, Pray night and day, or day and night. Continue in prayer. Pray without ceasing, right? Prayers that are earnest. Okay, Prayers that would track along the pattern of what's in Scripture. Okay, That reflect God's very words. There's a blog that I read from time to time by a guy named Scotty Schmidt. He's a pastor back in Tennessee. You know what he does on his blog? It's really cool. He'll take a passage of Scripture and he'll sit there and type out a prayer based on that passage of Scripture. I love it. It's encouraged my heart. I want to encourage you, us, to pray more on that line. Take a verse of Scripture and pray it. Translate it into a prayer. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. With prayer and Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Okay? Translate prayers from scripture. It reflects God's word. God loves to hear His word back, you know, given back to Him, right? And notice how prayer is addressed here in this verse. This is a, we might think this is not a big thing, but look at it. What does He say? Verse 11. Now may our God and Father Himself and Jesus our Lord. Prayer addressed properly. To our God and Father Himself and Jesus our Lord. And the wording here places Jesus on the, get this, same level as God the Father. That's the construction there in that verse. Same level. Not like, oh, top dog is God the Father and then Jesus. No, same level. And pray to God the Father And Jesus, our Lord. Okay? Prayer. The essence of prayer. Let us see the exercise of love. To increase and abound in love for one another. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us it's a verb, right? Action. Love is to be in action. Love reflects the character of God revealed in Christ. And so this serves as our identifying mark from John chapter 13, 34 and 35. Okay. Number letter D it moves on from the exercise of love to the elevation of holiness this is something that we don't hear a lot about in the church but it's important that we understand it not just the exercise of love we all like that tune but the elevation of holiness in your life you know what it's about being blameless and sanctified hearts having that But what does that come from? Look at the wording here. He says in verse 12, that, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another, and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that, you see that? So that He may establish your hearts without blame in holiness. To establish means to make stable. We like that, don't we? Stability. Being set... Fast, strengthened, to make firm. And that your hearts, meaning the center and the seat of one's spiritual life. And it's for the goal of endurance. Not just a quick thrill at camp time, but for enduring in the life that you're living right now for eternity's sake. And then we go on to letter E, the expectation of his return the expectation of His return. And it says, so that He may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. Many Christian churches uh, get going in a pattern of forgetfulness in, in regards to His return. And the mature... Perspective is his imminent return. Eminent meaning anytime. We're going to be talking about this in the weeks ahead because of chapter four and chapter five. We're going to be covering this. The Bible teaches this of an imminent return. Any moment, any time. The imminent return of Jesus Christ. So as we consider this concern vital concerns for active ministry we come to this last point the path of maturity what are you doing in your life to help this this process carry on what are you doing i mentioned it in sunday school this morning about a a snowball effect with grace I want a snowball effect in my life. I don't want to, I don't want to slow down with that. I want to learn more about what grace is. And I want to, in my life, I want to demonstrate that. My, my tendency is to show that I'm, I'm a good achiever. I accomplish things for God. Look at me. And yet, here's God's grace saying, I've given you when you don't even deserve it. That's what we need to grow in. It's because we are saved by grace and we need to live by grace. Now, this whole issue, I want to wrap it up in the next couple of minutes here just on this issue of maturity. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. In First Thessalonians, you go uh, on towards the end of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 5. Maturity in our lives just doesn't happen. I mean it does in our children's lives, doesn't it? They physically they're maturing and you don't even it's like there they go. That's <laughs> just happening. But what about spiritually? Does it just happen? No. And the problem is there's a lot of Christians out there that are like little infants and little babies and little toddlers and they've been a, they say they've been a Christian for 20 years. What's going on? There needs to be a maturing process. No matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, this is what's critical. I don't care if you're 60 years old in the Lord or 2 years old in the Lord. The issue is growing in your faith. This is what they were so excited about for the Thessalonians. They're growing in their faith. They're active in their faith. And Hebrews chapter 5 says in verse 12, for Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. That's a folks. That's a slam on these people. the The writer of the Hebrews is saying, "Hey, you haven't stepped it up here. You need to stay on milk, not solid food." Verse thirteen: For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Okay? So we've got to move beyond the milk stage of Christian living to saying, I I need to chew on some solid meat. Okay? So, maturity. We need it. The Bible tells us about it were to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 318. So let me I have a quote from a man by the name of Paul Tripp, uh, an author that I've really grown to love over the years. Paul Tripp says this about maturity. Listen, listen to this. This is really excellent. Maturity is not about becoming independent. But about recognizing how deeply dependent you are on God's faithful grace. A lot of times we think of maturity like, oh, independence, freedom. Isn't that wonderful? And you and I have bought that lie. And we, you know, we live our Christian lives with such independence. Independence. But grace doesn't call you to that independence. Grace calls you to dependence. And I say it that way because it's it's about grace, my friend. If you're saying, I want to grow in maturity and in likeness to Christ as my Lord, as my Savior, I want to grow in my faith, then it's about trusting Him with His grace, working in your life. I want to be a cheerleader to say hey come on let's do let's do our disciplines of the Christian life everybody come on but I exhort you in Jesus name to trust him in his grace Paul says it in Acts 20 I commend you to the word of his grace which is able to build you up so we give him thanks that he's shared these concerns with us through the Apostle Paul. These are excellent concerns for ministry. You want to be involved in ministry, here it is, the bonds of love. Don't shy away from the tests of faith, knowing God's a sovereign God. He's in control. The afflictions, the temptations. And then the practice of both, faith and love, and the path of maturity. You're going to be on the path of maturity because there's joy. The, the essence of prayer. The exercise of love. The elevation of holiness in your life and mine. And the expectation of Maranatha. Come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you Lord for this time in your word. Do your good work we pray. Help us Lord to continue trusting you and humbling ourselves before you forgive us lord because there's many many times where we gloat and boast in our own strength and our own things lord we right now we say jesus is lord help us in living that out in our lives here today that people would see that there's there's truly something different because not just because of our beliefs, but because of our practice. Jesus, you are Lord. and We pray that, Lord, you would come quickly and do your good work in the meantime to build us up in the word of your grace. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.